I was thinking about this week. This week we had uh, two funerals here at the church. We had two funeral meals here at the church, all the stuff that goes with that. We had a lot of other stuff going on. It was a busy week. Uh, Friday and yesterday, people set up uh, for the senior breakfast. There were all sorts of decorations over there. It was a big production. Uh, Marco made up the gift baskets that were passed out this morning. Uh, this morning, Bertha and Richard and other folks came and they they cooked a great breakfast for our seniors, our band and our choir practice. We had our service. My voice is gone. And we have another big week that is coming. And I was thinking about that. There are a thousand things that we could be doing tonight other than meeting as the church. There's a thousand things that we could be doing at this time other than meeting at the church. Look around tonight. Most people are doing those things. But I want to tell you tonight, and I, I, I want you to hear this. Our God says, when you are getting, when you're getting all the stuff, when you're chasing all the stuff, he says, above all, get wisdom. And so I want to tell you, I'm going to take him at his word. We're going to take him at his word. And tonight, our prayer is, God, give us your wisdom. Above all things, all the things we might do, listen, this is the best thing that we could do tonight. Good job and being here tonight. Now, last time we left off in chapter 27, verse 19, we're moving verse by verse through the Proverbs. We left off in chapter 27, verse 19. So tonight we're going to pick up in chapter 27, verse 20. All right, God's word says this. Shoal and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Shoal and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Now, Shoal is the Old Testament place of death. It's where anybody that died, the righteous dead, the unrighteous dead, they went to the place of Shoal. Abaddon is the place of destruction. It was also known in Hebrew as the place of the dead. Well, the first part of the verse is giving us an example. The second part of the verse is going to give us the truth or tell us the truth. And so the example part of the verse says, death is never satisfied. That's what it means. The grave, death is never satisfied. Now I want you to think about that. There is not a quota where the number of people that have died has been met and so it slows down. There's not a time when it says, well, enough folks have died. Maybe we'll take a month off. That's not the truth. I looked this up. There are in the world, these are the latest statistics, 332,648 deaths every single day. In the world, there are 332,648 deaths every day. There are 13,860 deaths Every hour, last hour, whatever you were doing, there was 13,860 people that took their last breath. There are 231 people that die every single minute. Every passing minute, we're going to be here about 45, 50 minutes. Every passing minute, there are 231 people that will die. There are four people that die every second. Every second, as we sit here, as I'm talking, every second, there are four people that die. Now, I want to tell you the, the interesting thing, that number's not slowing down. 
as the world population has grown and is growing, that number is actually growing. It's not slowing down. It is actually picking up. Now, when I think about those numbers, 238 people every minute, that is overwhelming. Now, that seems like an avalanche of death. People are dying. People are dying. And we can't stop that. We can't slow that down. Just like that, people are dying. We are overwhelmed in that. Well, it says in the verse, that is the example. And so just like that, the Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. And so death is never satisfied. And so just like that example, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Now what that means is people are never satisfied. People are never content. Now what what that looks like is we see something, we think about something, we hear about something, we want that thing. Oh, I'd like to have that thing. We see what somebody else has. And you know what, maybe our stuff's okay for a little while, but somebody comes up and they have something else, and we want what they have. Or we get something. Maybe you get something. Maybe you save for something. But as soon as you get something, you want a better one of the thing that you have. That's why we trade cars all the time. I've, I've got a car, but here's the new ones, and they're out. And so we get something, and then we want something better. I heard about a kid this week that went to the rodeo, and he saw all those food trucks, all that stuff, and he ate so much stuff of all of that stuff, and he topped it off with a funnel cake, and he came home, and he got sick. Now, I'm not going to say any names. I know that kid. How about one of those? How about roasted corn? How about, how about some street tacos? How about a funnel cake? How are you not going to eat a funnel cake? That is, that is the heart of mankind. We are never satisfied. It is never enough. If I get this, you know what I'd like to have? A little bit more. If I have something nice, I'd like to have something a little bit nicer. That's what the Bible says is the condition, the heart of people. Well, here's the truth. The Bible shows us there is joy and there's happiness and there is rest in contentment. Now, we live in a world where people can't really find satisfaction, where people are stressed out, where they're filled with depression and anxiety. And the Bible says there is joy, there is happiness, there is peace and rest in contentment. That's what the Bible says. If we can ever get to the place to say, you know what, God has blessed me and I'm content with what I have, we can rest in that. There is happiness in that. Now, the New Testament shows us there's actually only contentment in Jesus. And that that really is the fulfillment of really that longing. There's only contentment in the person of Jesus. And so I'll tell you this, the more you see Jesus and the more you know what we have in Jesus and the more you value your relationship with Jesus, the more the rest of all the stuff begins to pale in comparison. And how do you become content? That's how. And when you understand what we have in Christ, when you understand what we heard in the sermon this morning, we have nothing to fear in Christ. When you understand the value of what we have in Christ, all of the things of the world begin to pale in comparison. Now, I want to tell you there's there's another twist to that. 
The wild thing is this. God wants that for us. He wants us to be content. He wants us to be at rest. He will even empower it in our lives. Philippians chapter 4. You know the verse. We, we say it at all the sporting events. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I would encourage you to have some time go read that chapter. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, I've had a lot of stuff. I've had plenty. That's what he says. I've had no things. I've run out of stuff. I've had nothing. But he says this, I have determined that I can get along. And whether I have a whole lot of stuff or whether I have nothing, I can get along. And he says this, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not talking about passing a test. That's not talking about uh, running a football. That's what it's talking about. I can be content in Christ through Christ who strengthens me. That's what he's saying. So listen, God doesn't just call us to be content. He doesn't just say, well, you have to change your own heart. He gives us the empowerment to be content in him. If we'll see him and grow in the knowledge of him and grow in the understanding of the value of what we have in him, our hearts will be settled, content in him. Our crazy world needs to be satisfied in Christ. It needs Christ and needs to rest in Christ. Shoal and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. All right, moving to verse 21. <clears throat> the crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded him. Interesting verse. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded him. Now, the first part of the verse is the example. The second part of the verse is going to be the lesson. So again, we're going to have the example, and then from that, we're going to hear the truth of God's wisdom. If you take gold and silver, uh, the way you test it is you melt it. When you melt it, impurities burn off. Impurities rise to the top, and they are skimmed off, Impurities sink to the bottom, and the pure silver gold is poured off. And so when this process takes place, what is left is better. And so you burn off the impurities, you skim off the impurities, you pour off the pure thing, and what is left is better. It is pure. And what was impure is revealed. The thing that you skim off, that's the impurity. The thing that sinks to the bottom, that is the impurity. And so the impurity is also known. It's also seen. All right, that's the example. And then it says, here's the lesson, and each, talking about a person, and each person is tested by the praise afforded him. And each person is tested by the praise accorded him. Now here's, I want to explain this. This is referring to your reputation. This is referring to your reputation. Some folks have a good reputation and they are highly praised. Some folks have a bad reputation and they are seldom praised. Well, our testing, our revelation, who we are, 
is revealed in our reputation. Now, the Bible says in this verse, from the people who know you. Now, listen, this isn't a person that's lying about you. From the people who know you, the people who spend time with you, the people who live with you, the people who work with you, for those people and from those people, your reputation reveals you. Now, this isn't some person that has it out for you. It's not some person that's going to lie about you. But the people you spend time with, the people you celebrate with, the people you suffer with, the people you live life with, your reputation from them reveals you. Those who know you will know what is real about you, and they will know what is false about you. And I I believe that is clearly true. Those who actually know you, they'll know what's real. They'll know what matches your speech. They'll know what you represent matches up how you live. Or they will know what is fake. They will know the opposite is true. Here's the question this evening. What is your reputation with the people who know you saying about you? What would your spouse say? What would your close friends say? What would your coworkers who see when bad things happen, what would they say? What is your reputation with those who know you saying about you? We ought to think about that. Does it match? Does it match what we say? I've been watching, I think maybe last week was Mother's Day. I was thinking about that. This week was Senior Sunday, and I was watching all that, and I've been thinking about these things. Today, kids have a hard time and kids are leaving the faith. Now, that's a statistic that's, that's very well-known, very easily proven. Uh, kids are being easily swayed today, and, and, and it doesn't take very long, and they'll uh, leave behind the things that we've tried to teach them and go a different way. Kids today are rejecting the truth of Scripture, uh, the whole transgender deal, the whole homosexual deal. Our youth are very easily embracing that, uh, good conservative kids that grew up in, in, in churches will say, well, who am I to say about what, who a person loves? And kids are rejecting the truth of Scripture. And there's a big push to figure out the reason why. And I, I'll tell you what I believe. I believe the reason why our kids are having such a hard time is they saw parents who lived and acted in one way, but they talked and said something another way. And I believe these kids see through it, and they, they see, they see the, the duplicity in that, and they've decided, don't come and tell me about Easter. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me about a resurrected Savior when the rest of your life doesn't line up with a faith walking with that Savior. You want to know the trouble today? Kids see their parents. They see the falsehood of their parents. They see them say, we love Christ, but live in the total neglect of Christ. What does your reputation say about you? What would your kids and your grandkids and your coworkers and your spouse say about the realness and the fakeness of you? People can see it. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, and each is tested by the praise accorded him. Verse 22, though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, 
yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Another strange verse, uh, verse 22 is tied to verse 21. If you take a mortar and a pestle and you put the grain in it and you put the fool in it and, and you take it and you pound it out, uh, what's supposed to happen is the, the outer shell and the fines are supposed to separate. There's supposed to be a separation that goes on. It is really a milling process. You take a seed, you take a root, you separate it out, the fines from the coarse parts. Well, it says here, what, what it's saying is, a fool cannot be separated from his foolishness. A fool, you can pound them, you can grind it out, but a fool is not separated from their foolishness. Bad circumstances, hey, that was a terrible result. Doesn't change them. Punishment, consequences, hey, that's bad. I don't want to do that again. It doesn't change them. It doesn't matter. The foolish person, they are reckless, they are careless, they are foolish, and their actions reveal them. Here's what that verse is saying. Just like your reputation reveals you, your actions reveal you. You find a person, they make ignorant decisions, foolish decisions. That is the pattern of their life. It is revealing the condition of their heart. Here's the deal. The truth is when you see what people are like, believe it. Simple as that. When you see what people are like, I didn't know they were like that. When you see what they're like, believe it. When people close to someone tell you what someone's like, the Bible's saying, believe it. All of that comes back to this. Verse 21 and verse 22, all of that comes back to this. Be careful of your associations. We've seen that before. That's what it's saying. A reputation of a person tells you about that person. The action of a person tells you about that person. So you be careful who you run with. You be careful who you spend time with. You be careful who you lend your reputation to. Be careful of your associations. All right, verses 23 and 24. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Now, these two verses change in focus. There's been really kind of a considerable amount going one way. Uh, it now changes in focus, but these are still important verses. They're important truths. Here's what the verses are saying. It's going to be a section of verses. The verses are saying this. Take care of your business. Take care of your business. Be careful. Be aware. Be smart in your dealings. The verses are going to show us, and that honors God. Does he care about that? Yes, he does. And so be careful in your dealings. Be aware in your dealings. Plan how you'll deal. Be smart. And that's going to honor God. And listen, that's going to bless you in return. I want you to think about this. I, I believe more than for sure, more than any time, our world is set up to spend now, act now, get now, pay later, and think never. And I believe that's the pattern of our world. You can go on Amazon. And, and I see something roll across, and you know what? I'd like to have one of those. I'll say, I'll put that in my basket. 
I can go over here to PayPal. I don't even know what that is. They're not my pal. And I can push PayPal. And it'll put it to a credit card that's in my whatever in the PayPal, and it goes to that. And three people later, it comes back to me, and then I get a payment, and I can make a minimum payment, and I might pay for that next June if I feel like it. That is how our world's set up. That's how we buy houses. That's how we buy cars. That's how we go to the grocery store. Spend now, act now, get now, pay later, and think never. See the trouble it's causing? Well, I didn't know I wouldn't have money in December. I didn't know it was going to be like this in the spring. Well, I didn't know I'd spend so much in June. And, it, and we're not thinking about it. We're not considering it, and it causes problems. That is our world. Look at our government. I was watching something the other day about raising the debt ceiling. That, that thing is not, that's not understandable number. That's not, we're gonna, that's not even understandable. This is how much we're increasing the, the spending, and we're going to put a cap not on spending but on the increase, and that number's not understandable. Pay now, get now, think never. Think about a new car. Is this prudent? Can we afford it? Do we need it? What about two years from now? What about three years from now? What about five years from now? Now, that's a big thing. What about the shoes you're wearing? What about the trip you're taking? What about the stuff that you're accumulating? We have been trained. If you have credit, you can do it. Buy now, pay later, think never. Bible says can't be careless like that. Bible says that's going to catch up with us. Verse 24 makes a great statement, and it's a true statement. Riches are not forever. Riches are not forever. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. There could be a recession. There could be issues that come up. You could have medical expenses you didn't plan for. You could lose your income. Here's one. There could be inflation. Hey, I thought we had a lot of money. Guess what? You don't have a lot of money. There could be inflation. Riches are not forever. It says a crown does not endure to all generations. I have seen this. Maybe you have seen it as well. You ever know somebody, and they're from a wealthy family, and they're, they're known to be a wealthy family, and they're a wealthy person. Hey, I know them. They're a wealthy person. And something happens, and you, get, you go a different way, they go a different way, and maybe 10 years goes by, maybe 20 years go by, maybe 30 years, and you run across that person, and you're like, dang, what happened to them? Their money's all gone. They're not, they had that, man, that was third generation. Where did all the money go? What happened to them? Let me tell you the flip side of that. There's folks that I've known that they're from poor families, and maybe I thought they didn't have a chance and life is tough and 10 or 20 or 30 years go by and you come across them and they're doing well and they've got a house and they've got cars and you say, hey, what happened to them? You know what? A crown doesn't endure to the next generation. You have to be careful. It takes wisdom to make that happen. It is God honoring and it will bless you to know how much your expenses are to know the condition of the tires on your car, to plan for your retirement and save money for it, to understand there's expenses that you're not going to be able to avoid in the future. It'll, God will, it'll bless God and it'll bless you to think and to watch 
and to work and to plan and to save. The thought continues. We're going to continue on. The thought continues. Let's, let's read verse, the next verse. When the grass disappears and new growth is seen and the herbs of the mountain are gathered in. Now, we'll, we'll talk about all these together. But what this says is it's not, it's not short term. You know what? There's years that they eat all the grass, but there's years that the grass comes back. There's years that doesn't look good, but there's years that there's herbs to take off the mountain. There's crops to sell. It's not a short thing. It is long term. When the grass disappears, the new growth is seen. When the herbs of the mountain are gathered in, verse 26, the lambs will be for your clothing, and the goats will bring the price of a field. Wow. You took care of the animals. Now there's wool. Now there's meat. Now, you know what? That's a cherished commodity. There's goats that you have to sell. Verse 27. And there will be goat's milk, enough for your food, and for the food of your household, and the substance for your maidens. Verse 27 says, you're prepared. You've taken care of your business. You've taken care of your income. And now it's taking care of you. You are prepared. I went to a conference. It's been years ago. Kind of a famous guy. He'd written a book. And he said, God's next judgment on America would be financial. And he he said, nothing else seems to scare us. Uh, There's been all sorts of things. They didn't scare us. And so he believed God's next judgment on our nation would be financial. And his reason, he had a whole bunch of verses, but he said, we actually mock him in how we use our money. Uh, we, don't, we don't bring our tithes. We don't, we're not considering offerings. Uh, we're, we're selfish in the handling of our money. We show that we trust our money, but we don't trust God. We take pleasure in our money, not taking pleasure in God. And then he says, we have the audacity to take our money and write on it, in God we trust. And he said, that's a mockery to God, how we handle money in America. And he said, our next judgment of God, if it's ever going to get our attention, it's going to be financial. And he said, I don't know what it'll be. Maybe the stock market will crash. Maybe the banks will collapse. But maybe, maybe you'll be in a food line somewhere. But that's going to be the next judgment of God. Now, it's been many years. I don't, I don't know if that's true. But I do know what is true. God tells us the best way to handle our money in all times. And God tells us the best way to handle our money so that it's not a stress in bad times and we're prepared in good times. And he says if we will work and we will think and we will plan and we will save and we'll take care of our business, somebody else is going to be out scrapping along and you're going to have a goat that's worth the price of a farm because of your taking care of your goat when times were good. Here's the, here's the teaching of God. Take care of your business. Plan. Be aware. Live according to God's word. All right, we're going to stop right there. That's the end of the chapter. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. I got to go home and get my goats out. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your truth. And I pray if we're the oldest person here, the youngest person here, that we are wise enough to be shaped by it, and that we would consider our reputation. We would consider those we run with. 
we would consider those that we lend our reputation to, that we would be diligent in how we handle our relationships, our businesses, our, 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 our buying, our selling, and that we would do all things to the honor of God, to the honor of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we would be blessed in that. We're thankful for that promise. But I pray most of all that you are pleased and you are known in that. Lord, we come and we close out this day and say we love you. We're thankful, Lord. We're thankful to you for giving us your wisdom, for being gracious and kind enough to give it to us this night. And I, I again pray that it's for your name's sake and for your glory. Lord, we tell you this, the ever-living one, our Christ, our Savior, we trust you, Lord. We love you. We seek to exalt you and to bless you. We give this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.